it's Eva and I'm here with another episode of Currently Binging, the podcast about all things TV and movies. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to my voice on. Also, take a few extra seconds to rate the comment. All greatly appreciate it. So, if you are here, then that means you want to hear what I have to say about season three of Outer Banks. I am very excited to discuss Outer Banks. Um, if you have been with me for a while, then you will remember season one where I literally binged all the episodes in one sitting <laughs> early into the morning. I think it was like 3 a.m. And just sat on the couch, dumbfounded because that finale was like, what the hell just happened? Well, season two, season three, still the same thing. They're still, I feel like they take it. It's like, oh, slow, slow, slow. Not really slow, but a little bit slow. And then they get to the last two episodes and then it's just like, what just happened? So there will be spoilers. I'm going to spoil all the things and extra spoiler alert. We're already getting a season four so we can talk about what that looks like and what the future of the show looks like because I'm pretty sure going into this, I was like, oh, this should be the last season. But here we are. So I am going to start off. How do we want to do this? <laughs> Every time I talk about Outer Banks, I'm always like, oh my gosh, how do we want to start this? Okay, I'm looking at my notes because you all know I have lots of notes for this. So the we start off with the kids. They're on an island that they're calling Poglandia. And They've been stranded for six weeks, so it's been about six weeks since we last saw them at the end of season two, where they jumped off of Ward's boat. We weren't sure if Ward was alive or if he was dead. Spoiler alert, he was alive. Um, and so they jumped off his boat and they ended up stranded on an island. So like they've had six weeks to literally be on this island without any adult supervision. And so, I mean, they've rarely rarely had adult supervision if we're being honest outside of like a um pope with that moment last season between him and his father when i was like his father was about to snatch him up when he like came yelling at him um but like other than that like john b's dad is out of the picture um because he were he's assuming that he's dead but we find out at the end of last season that he's actually still alive and he faked his death <laughs> which, oh, do we have a lot to say about Big John, but we're going to get there. Um, Sarah, we literally saw her flee from her father's grip on her neck. So like that relationship is fractured and it has been fractured since season one with when her and John B like escaped on the boat into the middle of the water and literally everyone thought they died. <laughs> and then we have Key, Kiara, who... Her parents are in the picture. I didn't really have a feeling about her parents one way or the other until this season. I have some thoughts on her parents. Um, I think they were over the top, but we will talk about that in a minute. And then we have JJ, whose parents are not in the picture. I can't recall if they're alive or in jail. I feel like his father passed but don't quote me, or was it his brother? Don't quote me, I honestly can't remember. So like their parents are there, like for some of them, but not really. And then it doesn't help that there's this divide. So um, you have the the boys who are essentially pogues through and through. Then you have Key, who's kind of like, 
her parents, one parent was a pogue, one parent was a kook, but she's kind of like, I'm going to be a pogue. And then you have Sarah, who's technically a kook, but now she's a um, pogue because of who she's associated with. So like adult supervision, mm, but I do appreciate because a lot of times when I talk about these shows and I'm like, where are the parents? Why don't they go to the parents? And Pope, the only reasonable one was like, maybe we should like go tell our parents or get our parents involved, even though they shut that down. But I'm always like, bring a parent or someone into it. But compared to the, the choices that they had, especially having John or Big John involved, um, I don't know how much more help they could have gotten. And I think Kiara, Kiara's parents would have shut it down. So there's that. So they get rescued off the island. You all know I don't like to recap everything. We're just going to highlight some things. But they get re they get rescued off of the island by the sketchy guy, Jimmy. And this is where we enter into or introduced to this new character scene. Like every season you're like, how are they going to continue to like go on this treasure hunt? Like, can you make it any different? Yeah, there are some similarities, but every season there's like another layer of some big bad that we did not know about who's like also after the same treasure that the kids are after. So we're introduced to seeing who come to find out is super woven into all this, like even up to John B's dad. And he's very ruth ruthless, um, kills like at the snap of a hand, literally murdered Jimmy in front of Rafe and Kiara as one because he thought he um, told the kid something that he wasn't supposed to about him. But then two, as like a warning to Rafe and Kiara to be like, oh, you all need to tell me what I want to know, which is essentially he was looking for the diary, which neither kid had. I mean, Kara had a copy of it, not on her, but she knew where a copy was. Um, it was back in um, Outer Banks in the Twinkie, which is the van, which was impounded, but like it wasn't directly with her. And then Rafe, because Rafe is unhinged, Rafe has been unhinged for the, all of the seasons, but the levels of unhingedness, I don't even know if that's a word, but the levels of unhingedness with Rafe this season, I don't even understand why people continue to think that he is just not going to go off the rails at a drop of a dime. Like when Ward sent him back, was like, yeah, close up all my businesses, we're going to give the cross or donate the cross to like some museum or something like that. Um, so it was, cause it's essentially a historical piece of gold that plays a major part in history. And the only thing that Rafe is concerned with is like, no, this is mine. I saved this from being at the bottom of the ocean. And this sibling thing that has been here since season one, and we saw it even more so last season and we see it, a little bit more this season, not as extreme as last season, but like that sibling rivalry between him and Sarah, which is more so on his part than I think is on Sarah's part, because there is just th this desire for Rafe to make sure that his father acknowledges him, sees him. Um, and even like, there's also this sense of him, um, like sacrificing for his father in a way in his head that's the way that he feels like or that's the way that he sees it but like 
from the outside looking in, it's like, no, actually your father is sacrificing a lot of things for you, like taking or confessing to a murder that he didn't do when you killed someone <laughs> unprompted. So um, you do see that a little bit, but you see more of a struggle between Wraith and Ward this season, which was interesting, especially like everything that happened with Wraith, just where, we, or not Wraith, but Ward, just where we started from the beginning of the series to where we ended um, this season, like it made sense based on how we ended things because it was like, we saw Ward hit his head. Um, I believe it was John B who pushed him and he hit his head and it was kind of like, that's one of the things where you you're, you can internally bleed and then you die. But like he was in a coma for a little bit, but then he ends up waking up. But at the end of the day, he ends up dying. And I think it was a good overall arc for Ward just because it's only so many times the same person can be like the driving antagonist that the kids are running away from. Because he did that in season one. He did that in season two. Season three, a little bit, but not as much. He was trying to come from it in a different angle saying to Sarah like, oh, I know we're jumping around. Saying to Sarah like, oh, I've changed and I'm trying to be a better person. Like everything that happened on the boat, nearly killing you, <laughs> made me like wake up and come to the realization that um, I need to be a better person. I am a better person. But then the fact that, and it's like, you can see some similarities between the way that Ward reacts to things and the way that Rafe reacts to things, even though Rafe's reaction is a little more on the extreme when you compare it to um, Ward. But like, clearly, clearly there's a relationship there. Um, but Ward essentially sees or feels like, and you can compare it to Rafe, he feels like Sarah is being stolen away from him, not only by John B, which has been the case for the last couple of seasons, but now Big John has come in and essentially is taking her under his wing and into the family as well. And Ward cannot live with that. And if you compare it to Rafe, Rafe feels like Sarah takes attention, um, Ward's attention away from him, uh, takes Ward away from him. Like clearly there's a level of affection that Ward has for Sarah in comparison to Rafe. And Rafe feels that, he sees that, he's very vocal about that. And that's part of the reason why he acts in such an unhinged way. So I think, um, and then having that moment where, which is kind of like a, a little bit of a full circle moment in a way. I know we like went all off, we're on board, but it's okay. Um, it's kind of a full circle moment because Last season, Ward was the one trying to kill Sarah with his own hands. And then you have that moment when they're um, up outside of the cave and then Ward comes out of nowhere and he's like, oh, you can't have her. I'm going to kill you. Essentially like John B and Big John, but then the other kids who <sighs> we're going to talk about that. Always late to the party. <laughs> Finally show up. <laughs> and he's like, um... I'm going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. But then the other guy seems like henchman shows up and he blames Sarah for his partner being killed because like she shot him and he's about to kill Sarah. And then Ward just like 
that was the moment where he's like, okay, this is my time. I'm going to, I'm going to die and I'm going to save my daughter. Like that was his whole thing of, I'm trying to save you, Sarah, Sarah, I don't want you to be in a situation. You're in over your head, blah, 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 blah. But then he finally is like, no, this is the way that I save her. I literally have to sacrifice myself, which also because of, you were talking about people who are one, not only like privileged, and we're going to talk about the privilege that rape has because I wrote that down in my notes. But also we're talking about people who are very selfish and only are out or are only thinking about um, themselves and like what's best for them. So like that was the moment of ultimate sacrifice, at least for him being a father. Cause you can be like, parents are always like, oh, I sacrifice for you and all of that. But like, and when you watch these shows, you, and there's like conflict between the parent and the child, you rarely see like sacrifice between it's always a one-sided sacrifice either is more so on the child or is more so on the parents a lot of times more so on, on the child and the parent is just like cannot cannot compute we're not connecting at all whereas in this case everything that war said that he was doing for sarah was like to protect her and all this stuff um every single season like that was his reasoning for everything that he did even the whole even the trek up into the the mountains and trying to save her but like he never really truly made any sacrifices because yeah he faked his death but like he still has all this money he's still living a, a, a very comfortable life he's not really sacrificing anything and and really what are we asking or what is sarah asking him to sacrifice the goal that was not his that the kids went and found um her to be in a relationship with someone that she feels like she truly loves like he wasn't really making big sacrifice so ultimately he paid the biggest price and made the biggest sacrifice and ended up dying to save Sarah Rafe on the other hand which by the time we get to the end I'm like okay where's Rafe we don't see him again after um we leave him at the airstrip but I talk about his privilege in the way that there's a thing with him and his father where he's like oh what was me like why aren't you looking at me? Why aren't you paying attention to me? But then there's also this other thing, especially with the crossword, like, this is mine. I am going to literally melt a non-replaceable historic artifact into blocks of gold so that I can sell it and get that money. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So War's reaction was valid when he found out what he did with the gold, I'm surprised he didn't have like a bigger reaction, but I was like, you're literally destroying something that cannot be replaced, don't understand. Um, and then his, the way that he talks to, his interactions with Barry, granted they have some history there, but even when Barry's like, Barry literally convinces him to kill his father. Like he puts that in his head and I think he does it on purpose. Because Barry is like, he a little slick. You got to watch him. But um, he literally tells him, he's like, once this goes in motion, um, you can't turn it back. And then, of course, here comes Rafe. He's like, oh, I want to come back on it. Like, we need to stop it or whatever. Um, and we do see some soft moments, briefly, briefly, with Rafe, where um, when he and Kiara are stuck in the room, because like at this point, it's like he thinks he's going to die. So, of course, it's self-preservation. 
Um, but you can see that he genuinely regrets the way that he treats Sarah, which is why I think we don't see as much um, tension between the two of them. Granted, had they come face to face before the airstrip, I don't know if that still would have been the case, but like, because you, if you think about the moment that he had with um, Topper, which you all know, I do not like that name, Topper. The moment that he had with Topper um, when he pretty much calls his sister a liar. <laughs> but even that was a little bit of manipulation on his, on his end. Um, but then they have that moment at the airstrip where he's like, take care of him, make sure you bring him home, which essentially Ward doesn't end up coming home. So we don't know how um, Topper feels about that. And then the other thing I was like, well, maybe Topper's in jail, but like, would he be in jail? Because we know um, Shoop showed up at the airstrip and was like, uh, you gotta answer some questions. So we like, we don't know what happened with Topper, but Topper's very interesting. So all that to say, so let's 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 rewind it a little bit. I think that there were some themes because we've gotten Ward and Topper or not Topper, Ward and Rafe out of the way, which is fine. <laughs> we might come back to them, but it's okay. Um, but let's take it back a little bit because I think overall the way that the season went, at least to me, was very um similar to I would say very similar to uh season one, there were some themes that were very similar because the way that we end season one is with, uh, John V and Sarah. And then we start season two with John V and Sarah. And then ultimately the two ends up finding the, the treasure is John V and Sarah, which is fascinating to me because the treasure hunt starts with the pokes. <laughs> And Sarah's kind of like, yeah, she went on some adventures with him in season one, but I don't know, which also brings me to, because we know season one, they went on a boat and then they left and they ended up, I don't remember where they ended up, but they were there by themselves. And then the other kids like finally realized, oh, they're not dead. And then they like, kind of like come into the picture. So we had like the, those two separate um, storylines that were happening. Whereas this season, for the most part, the storylines were together, but you all know one of the things that I talk about a lot, especially in like these shows that have like a friend group or even with siblings, I'm always like the best parts of the story is is when they're all together. And so I think that they did a good job of keeping the kids together for the most part. Like, yeah, you're going to need those moments where you're going to need to separate them out and do some storytelling where they're separated. But then there were some moments where I was just like, is this the time or the place? Like, do we need this? Um, when they left John B in Barbados, which they had to, otherwise they were gonna die. I was like, yeah, y'all need to leave him. But then it wasn't like dragged out. They eventually end up back at, um, back home. But then because Big John is now here, and this is one of the things that I highlighted, Big John changes the dynamic <laughs> a thousand percent because one, he's been missing for a year, presumed dead, now he's back. So like there's that lost time between John B and Big John because like that's his father. So of course he's gonna wanna be like, he's gonna wanna connect with him, spend all this time with him. And may, that may necessarily mean that um, he's not spending as much time with his friends. Fine. 
Also, we have the marriage. I'm doing air quotes for those who cannot see. We also have the marriage between um, John B and Sarah because you know they had that little commitment, but you all know how I felt about that commitment. <laughs> they are not really married. Um, and so he tells his father like, oh, we're married or whatever. And and Big John's just like, he's not trusting because Sarah's a Cameron and everything that Ward did to him, granted, makes sense, whatever. But like the way that he treated Sarah and then immediately like tried to isolate John B from her was like, I don't know, I felt some type of way about that. And then also isolate him from his friends because these kids have been on this treasure hunt for like the past year on their own, literally almost died multiple times trying to find this treasure that you put John B on this path to do and then you show up and you're just like oh we're gonna keep secrets we're not gonna tell anyone um we don't want to get them in danger when they've literally almost died multiple times but it's like oh you don't want to get them in danger like lie don't tell them it'll be fine you can make up for it at the end once we find the treasure and they get their payout so when we have that moment where sarah because we get two episodes where Sarah narrates, um, and the first one is when she ends up going off for Topper, because um, they they were trying to give us a redemption story for Topper. I was not buying the redemption story at all. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the reasons why I was not buying the redemption story for Topper at all, um, and I am not changing my mind on that because he shows up like Topper has always been kind of like trying to come back, trying to get. They've been trying to get us to like topper since last season i still remember season one when um that fight at what was it the golf the golf course or something like that between topper and pope and someone else was there was it i don't i can't remember if it was rafe i think it was rafe but like i still remember that topper is an asshole <laughs> point blank period uh but he sees her because like literally Sarah's not living with anyone because Kiara's dealing with her own stuff, which we'll get into. And then um, JJ's not home, but he's also semi dealing with his own stuff, which we'll get into. And then she doesn't feel comfortable to stay with the Johns because she feels like ostracized and John B is lying to her, clearly lying to everyone and they all can tell, but we'll get into that. Um, and so he finds her, he's like, oh, like, what do you need? They're on the boat. And then the friends roll by and they're like, oh, we're going to all hang out. So she goes and hang out. So you already know where this is going. Leads to her ending up kissing Topper, which was just like, Topper is so, I don't want to say obsessed. Cause I don't, I feel like that's too strong, but like, there's just something where Topper just cannot like any little inkling that he gets from Sarah where he feels like, oh, she's into me or like there could be something here. Like we can rekindle whatever it is that we lost. Like he's going to chomp down on it super hard, grip it and not let go. And we've seen this <laughs> happen multiple times. And so um, I don't think it helped that they asked, they pressured Sarah to ask him to help them as far as seeing his truck to try to steal the cross off of the train. So that kind of opened the door a little bit. 
And so he feels a little bit more like, oh, there's a little bit more comfortability there. Um, and so that didn't really help. But then also she's like stranded. She's in a semi-vulnerable state. I don't know how much you can say that, that that's him like taking advantage of her in that state. But like Sarah got a lot of bl a blame to take on this as well. So they end up alone. They have a kiss or whatever. Remember, Sarah and John B are married. <laughs> I'm still doing air quotes if you can't see. Um, and so she wakes up and she immediately regrets it. In the next episode, she's still narrating and she's confused. Am I a kook? Am, am I a, a pogue? I don't know. I don't know. And so then John B finally shows back up because like he's, his father's been snatched. <laughs> he's nearly died again. And he's kind of like, okay, I'm gonna need a little bit of help from my friends, literally. And so he ends up finding JJ, you know, gets JJ brought along because you know, it's JJ. Um, but then he finds, they go to like find everyone and he finds Sarah and Sarah, they're at Kiara's parents party and Sarah uses that moment to tell John B that she kissed Topper knowing there's all this history between the three of them but she's like oh you know FYI because you know I feel like I need to tell you I kissed Topper and you know I immediately regret it but <laughs> of course John B is like I'm done I almost like had to clap there because I was just like very mature of you to just be like done but I thought he was gonna be done done and just be like walk away but of course Topper shows up and this is why I do not buy Topper's redemption story like I can never I don't ever see myself feeling bad for Topper in anything ever because I do not think that he's a genuine person <laughs> because he comes up there <sighs> Clearly, this is not, or no, John B. leaves, and I think he sees um, Topper approach Sarah, and he's like hugging her, and, and so then John B. runs up and like separates them, and they're pretty much like, oh, this is not the place, or whatever, and like Sarah's there like, no, John B., this is not the place, calm down, and then Topper does this little smirk thing on his face. I was like, okay. <laughs> Okay, I see what you're doing there. So of course, John V punches him. Not gonna lie. I felt like he deserved that one punch, but then John V kept going. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, John, stop. <laughs> I think he's had enough. Um, Cause he was down on the ground, like not even fighting back. And part of that in my head is like, how much is that Topper just being like, not manipulative, but trying to, trying to play the moment in his favor. So John B ends up um, punching him and now his mom wants to press charges and all that and they try to get Sarah involved. And Sarah tells uh, Topper like, oh, well, can you just delay it a day? John B's father's been snatched. We need to go and save him. I'm gonna call you tonight. But then Topper gets, gets um, freaking, what's his name? Rafe in his ear, Rafe is in his ear like, Sarah's a liar, you know she's with John B, blah, 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 blah. So then he goes to the house, sees all the kids there, sees John B and Sarah together, because of course they made up, because like, why wouldn't they? Like that's, they're gonna end series together. <laughs> 
think that's pretty evident. Um, and decides in that moment, I'm going to pick up this tank or this carousel or can of gas. You all know what I'm trying to say. I'm going to pick up this can of gas. I'm going to douse the house in gasoline and I'm going to light it on fire with six people inside. That is how many charges? Six counts of attempted murder. <laughs> also, you're going to be on the hook for burning down property. I can't even remember what it's called, but like literally going to jail, not getting out anytime soon. <laughs> he saw all the kids in there, doused the house in gasoline and lit it on fire and watched it burn and then drove away. And y'all want us to feel good about Topper? Y'all want to redeem him? No, 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 no. So <laughs> that is why Topper could never be redeemed in my book. And even at the end when the kids come back and they're having like the celebration, like, oh, these kids saw the 500 year mystery. And everyone's like, yay, so happy. And I literally wrote, <laughs> where did I put it? It's like down in my thing. Everyone's so happy except for Topper. I feel like that's what I put something like that. Yeah. <laughs> He's just horrible. <sighs> So there's that. But essentially, John B. and Sarah, all the kids end up going. So they get separated because most of the kids end up getting on um, Ward's plane. But JJ goes in, in to save Kiara. And we've kind of seen this a little bit like it was coming at some point. Like this relationship between JJ and Kiara. They acted on it this season. It was a lot of back and forth because, you know, they've been friends. And it's kind of like, do we go there? Do we cross that line? Um, but they eventually do cross the line in the end. But JJ goes and saves Kiara from Kitty Hawk, which is essentially like a place that parents send their kids when they've like, essentially like they think their kids are behaving badly or they think they can control them. Um, and so like they have no other option but to send them to this camp. I literally wrote Kiara's parents are OTT because when the kids are like, I was glad that the kids are like, okay, wait a minute. We can't just all go hop on a plane and go fly to freaking, I don't even know where they flew to. I know I wrote it down somewhere, but I can't find it, of course. But I think they flew to South America or somewhere. It's in here somewhere in my notes. But essentially, they're just like, we can't hop on a plane and go fly somewhere when we've literally been missing for six weeks and our parents flip shit <laughs> when we finally, well, they didn't really, but like, if we were to leave again, they probably would. And so they were like, Paul was like, uh-uh, no, I need to go tell my parents where I'm going. And Kara's like, oh yeah, I need to tell my parents. Granted, her father has been on a mission this entire season. Like, we've seen her parents before, but I don't think we've seen her father like this, like up there as far as how um upset he's been with her and being like oh you need to cut the poke stuff out <laughs> like jj is a bad influence like you don't need to be friends with him um literally and he's just like he's done with it whereas her mom was more so on the lines of like i we don't i don't want to lose her i don't want to push her away like we need to like we need to be a little bit more reasonable so like two very different parenting um parenting behaviors going on here but essentially they were just at the point where they were like um 
they were having a conversation with her and I believe Pope and Cleo showed up at the house in the middle of that conversation because they're always having some very high-strung um, conversation with Kiara about her future. And she was just like, oh, wait, I need to go talk to my friends. And you see her father like standing there like looking like, and that was the moment I think where he was just like, okay, we're going to go this way. And so when Kiara shows back up at home to tell her parents like, oh, FYI, I'm about to go hop on a plane and try to help save <laughs> Big John from dying. Uh, the people from Kitty Hawk are there and it's like one of those situations now. I've never been to one of these places or these camps. I've seen them on TV shows. I've seen them on like news shows as well where they just like show up at your house and are like, your bags are packed, you're getting in the car and if we could do it the easy way or the hard way, you can go willingly or like they like yank the kids up, <laughs> put them in the van take them to wherever they're going so of course Kiara was like you're not taking me where are my parents and they like yanked her up and put her in the van with the child locks on so she couldn't get out and they drove her to Kitty Hawk and so JJ's like I am going to go and I'm going to break her out which he does I was kind of a little bit surprised he did it without getting um caught but also JJ has been funny this season because JJ's funny every season but all the ideas that he had this season and all of them that did not work. And I, at one point I was just like, they need to stop listening to JJ's ideas because <laughs> it just makes the situations worse. Um, and then I thought it was all, cause I think we got a little bit more on JJ's like backstory. Was it last season? I think it was last season, but this season it was a little bit more of um, him essentially dealing with the consequences because he's truly of all the kids yeah Sarah could be like oh I don't have anyone like I don't have my dad I lost my family but like she still essentially still has them like she could still call Wheezy or whatever but like JJ literally has no one but but his friends um and especially John B and so I thought that that um was interesting also I don't know I don't know where they can go with that in the next season because these kids are still in high school let's talk about Pope and Cleo because Pope ends up bringing Cleo back to her house and being like oh FYI she has nowhere to go can she stay here and her and his parents end up um bringing or accepting her in and actually there's a very fun dynamic between her and his parents and I think that they see how much of an a positive impact that she's been having on um Pope and also that she has his best interest at heart. I know when they made the pact, which I highlighted it in here so to make sure that I can speak to it. So they make the like no love club pact because uh Pope ends up seeing JJ and Kiara have a moment even though they don't uh, they don't uh, ever kiss until she literally or JJ literally saves Kiara from Kitty Hawk but um they end up making a no love pack but we know like all this is very obvious like this is not like a a big mystery type of show like all this is very much like oh okay we know what's gonna happen so they kind of very early on were making that pairing between um Cleo and Pope which we essentially see them act on in the last in the last episode um but the thing that I do appreciate because you guys know one of the things I'm always like, 
oh, you're doing all these things, what are the consequences? And there were real world consequences for a lot of what the kids did because they were gone for six weeks. So we saw JJ return to his home being essentially him being evicted from his home. So there's an eviction notice on the door. Um, he can't get his job back because there's like concern from the person or the person like who owns that uh, company where he's like, oh, well, like the Cougs feel like they can't trust you. So therefore I can't really give you a job because like they are essentially my main clients. Um, we see Kiara ends up being her parents sending her to Kitty Hawk because she's like, oh, I'm not ready to go back to school, which is like, granted, these kids been through a lot and they were standing on an island. They went or they nearly died and then they were standing on an island. <laughs> All this happened in the last six weeks. So like, it makes sense that they would be like, oh, like, I don't feel like going back to school. Like there will be some issues with them. Um getting back into the flow of things but like Kara's parents was like no we're done you're going to Kitty Hawk <laughs> and then for Pope because we knew when we were introduced to Pope he's like very very um high performing student has all these plans for his life like laid out he knows what he's going to do super high achiever and then he comes back and the counselor is like well I mean you miss you missed literally a month and a half of school and therefore even going to summer school would not be enough to get you back to where you were. And then also all of the honor classes are full and you're not even gonna be able to um, get into those classes. And so you see like him be resist resistant to that in the beginning, because he's sitting in class and he's not being stimulated. So he ends up leaving, which I, I have some thoughts, I have some feelings about that personally, where it's just like, if you have a very high achieving student I think it does, it's a really big disservice to stick them in a class that is not going to stimulate them. And therefore, you're essentially setting them up to fail ultimately because they're not being stimulated. Um, they're not being motivated to do the work because they feel like the work is too easy for them. So like those kinds of students, you just, I don't know. I feel like due to his circumstances and due to what he had been through, I personally feel like they could have made some um, exceptions for him to make sure that he could continue to perform at the high level that he was performing at before all this stuff happened to him. Um, but eventually, with a little help from Cleo, <laughs> he does end up going back to school and all of that. So did I talk about everyone? We talked about JJ. We talked about Kiara. We talked about Pope and Cleo, we talked about Sarah, we talked about John B. Um, and it's hard to be, up, like think about the John, so John B and Big John, it's hard to be like, oh, mad at John B for the way that he handled everything that happened with his father, like the way that he handled like keeping secrets from his friends and like continuing to enable his father because one he's a child and that's supposed to be his father and like in true form you should I'm mean, this can go either way I feel like we could debate either way but essentially you should be listening to what your parents are saying but then also there there's that layer of Big John being presumed dead for a year 
and there's still like that like father son which is ultimately i wrote this down in um my notes what did i say mm, i said at the end of the day this has always been a story about a son and his father which essentially is what it's been because like john b's driving forth has been to complete this treasure hunt that his father didn't complete before he passed, but then come find out he didn't pass and they were able to complete it together before he actually really passed. But then there's also just this layer of like fathers in general. If you think, if you like take a step back and think about the series as a whole, cause you have John B and Big John, you have Sarah and Ward, and then you even have like Kiara, Kiara and um, her father's relationship, Pope and his father's relationship. Uh, who are we missing? JJ and his father. Like, there's just this theme of like fathers in this. <laughs> when you take a step back and think about it. Um, but yeah, so you can't really blame him. The one thing though that I did not like um, is when John B said to Sarah, "Granted, Sarah was in the wrong. Was in the wrong if you want to think about it. Of like, oh, they're in a relationship and she ends up like kissing Topper. But also, John B was in the wrong because he lied from the beginning. He and he pushed her away, ostracized her because his father was there. So for him to show up and say, and I wrote this down. So let me make sure that I don't miss it. I don't, okay, so he blamed Sarah saying, how could she do this to him when his dad's been, been kidnapped? But my whole thing is like, you can't say that to her. Because how does Sarah know that she's doing anything to you? She didn't even find out that her father, that your father had been kidnapped until you showed up at the party and told her that he'd been kidnapped. And she, at that point, she had already kissed Topper. Granted, was that the right time to tell him about the kiss? I don't think so. But <laughs> you cannot put all the blame on her because John B, you need to take some of the blame as well because you were just not being transparent with Sarah or with any of the other kids. Um, and then also I said for episode eight, I was like, we both said the same thing about the like smirk when Topper's like no hard feelings. That's what he said. No hard feelings. And then John B punched him. He deserved that first punch. But then after that, like could have slowed it down. Also, I wrote these people are unhinged. That was in reference to Topper burning the house down, but also in general, like rapes unhinged. Uh, Topper's unhinged. JJ's a little unhinged. Like all these, all these people are unhinged. Let me see. What else do we need to talk about before we wrap this up? Um. Oh, I said the last time the kids were home, they left so disrespectfully. <laughs> they really did, and so that's why I was like, I appreciated them like stopping and being like, wait, I need to go tell my parents we're about to go hop on a plane and leave the country. Um, I talked about me questioning what happened to Rafe because we did not see him in the end, but we did see Topper. And so uh, when Topper went to the airstrip and confronted Sarah, he essentially got on the phone right away. Cause like that was literally a done deal for him. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm about to file my charges. And so he got on the phone and filed the charges. But then we see, because we jump 18 months, is it? Yeah, 18 months later, after everything that happens on, with the kids finding the treasure, 
bringing the gold home. Ward dies. Um, Big John dies because he gets shot by Singh. Singh is dead because he gets buried in, in the cave. Um, but the kids are able to get, well, I say the kids. It's really John B and Sarah are able to get some of the treasure and bring it back with them. And so the kids are pretty honored because they're like, oh, they saw this 500 year mystery after everyone was literally trying to throw all the kids in jail. Now they're celebrating them. But um, Topper's there, you know, with his with his sad face on or his eye rolliness. <laughs> and I'm just like, so did he drop the charges? Like, what was going on? Like, they're just open questions. Did Topper drop the charges? Where is Rafe? What happened to him? Like, what happened in the 18 months? I feel like we're not going to get, I mean, maybe we might get answers. Okay, we're going to move into season four. <laughs> So we're, we've already been renewed for a season four. Those are my open questions. I don't know if we're going to get those answers. Maybe we might get some of those answers. But essentially what happens is that at the end, which is why as I was watching it, because I did not look to see if it was renewed for season four until after the last episode, because I haven't been tracking news on the show, but it was renewed right before uh, season three dropped, literally, and it dropped last week, so... I mean, <laughs> but, um, the way that it, and I was like, oh my gosh, are we getting another season? Like if you've, if you, if this is your first time listening to me, I like a nice three season arc. I feel like you can give us a beginning, a middle and an end, wrap it up really nice with a bow, be done with it. Like we don't need to drag things out for seasons and seasons and seasons, like end on a high note. So I was fully expecting to come into season three and it'd be like, okay, this is it. That's the final season. And we're done. But when we jumped the 18 months, jumping the 18 months, I was like, okay, maybe this really is the last season. But then when we see the old man show up and he's like looking around like, oh my gosh, they're about to give us like an open-ended thing, meaning we're probably going to, or meaning they're setting us up essentially for another season, which is what they're doing. So I literally wrote, some old man approaches the kids to look at a manuscript and partner with him. Um, and the manuscript that he has is from a captain log in 1718. Um, Edward Teach was the captain, um, aka Blackbeard, which I, I believe, I can't remember if he was mentioned earlier on. Like there's just so, as far as the treasure, I feel like there's so many different names, so much woven into it. Cause we know that Pope's family is tied to it historically because of the, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember Tanner. The Tanner name, so they're connected to them. So essentially, like the treasure was stole from him from them, but like if you look at the history of America in general, like they're always stealing from um, like the minority or the indigenous people. So like that's not surprising, but um, essentially, like that's how Pope is interwoven into this, and everyone else is just like, oh, there's treasure, we want to find it. It's, if I find it, it's mine, kind of a thing. So it seems like this is going to be their next, their next um, hunt, if you will, their next little mission. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we go about this because one, it's been three seasons. We've already seen some similarities between the seasons. So it's kind of like, how can we make season four truly different and keep it exciting? Because this show has a fan base and people love this show. If you were to rewind back to Eva talking about season one, I literally was like, I don't know um, if people will watch this. I believe that's like the beginning of the pandemic. 
I think, if I'm recalling correctly. But but then I was like, oh, I don't know. It, it might work, it might not work. But you watch it today, it literally top 10 all the time. This is literally one of the shows, like season one and season two, people still like find the podcast episodes and listen to it. So it's always like, and when I'm looking at like, oh, what episode are we listening to? It's like always there. So like people love this show. So like they have the audience and it's just my hope is that they continue to keep it exciting um, and not fall into like some of the tropes of like other shows, which go on for seasons and seasons and seasons where we started here to see the same storylines, similar storylines um, and not a lot of exciting changes. So. And that is all I have for season three of Outer Banks. Again, it was a fun, wild ride. A little excited to see what we do on season four, but I want to know what you all thought. Let me know all the things and I will talk to you all in the next episode. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking through it to the end. Be sure to follow me on all the social media platforms at Currently Binging on Instagram and at Current Binging Twitter. Also, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, and I'll talk to you in the next one.